Hello, and welcome to Force for Thought. Today, Max is going rogue. Max, what are you going rogue about? I am going rogue about a topic that I've mentioned a couple times on the podcast now, the Star Wars comics. I am a big fan of the comics. I think it is a great way to uh, get more into the universe, get some more content, and... I always feel like the comics are fun because they can have a lot more leniency to be kind of like goofy and zany um, because it's not like, you know, a TV show or a movie or anything like that, which always comes with its pros and cons, right? Because a lot of people read the comics and they're like, this stuff is ridiculous. But um, a lot of that I kind of enjoy. But I wanted to talk about one one series in particular, which is the Darth Vader Dark Lord of the Sith by Charles Soule. Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. It is the Darth Vader Volume 2 that started in 2017. It's only 25 issues. It ran from 2017 to 2018. And it is widely considered by the comic fans to be some of the best Star Wars comics out there. If you ask anyone uh, what Star Wars comics I should read, they're nine times out of ten going to recommend Darth Vader, Dark Lords of the Sith, or anything else by Charles Soule. He is an amazing author and Star Wars author. He has done so much Star Wars content that it's kind of hard not to read something by Charles Soule, but every now and then I'll read something without really thinking about it, and I'll be like, oh, that was really good, and then I'll realize it was by Soul, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> but Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, it's, um, it, it to me, it strikes the perfect balance between uh, that kind of zany goofiness in comics as well as like a pretty serious dark tone and you'll hear i'm about to get into the individual issues um there's some really dark parts in it and it's it's really it's really good but there's still some good comedic beats and i find like it just it finds that balance do you think very well a lot of these have a lot of heart but do you think they have any soul terrible pun <laughs> I thought that joke was very average. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, uh, all right. I, I had a question while you were talking about Charles Soule. Do you mm-hmm. think you genuinely think he's the best uh, comics writer right now? Or do you think because he is a lawyer like you that has transitioned into writing Star Wars content that you're just living vicariously through him and want him to be the best? Oh, boy. <clears throat> no, I think he's the best. <laughs> but, um, you, but you but... do find yourself in a similar situation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, early on. In is that career. why you got into law? So you could eventually transition into a comic book? The whole story? reason. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing has been the long con. Um, uh, but it's also, he's also just done so much of it too. Which, I mean, it, it goes both ways, right? Like, he's done so much, so it's easy to be like, oh, the stuff that he's done is the best. But he's also doing so much because the stuff he does is just quality work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I, I really like uh, a lot of Charles Soule's work. But... Um, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, like I said, Darth Vader is a very menacing character, and you don't think of him as being a comic book character, um, but uh, there's three volumes now with Darth Vader, Charles Soule is doing the second volume that I'm talking about today, and all three of them, though, they, they find a really good tone to use with him, it's awesome. Um, and they're all by Soul, right? Is that, that's what you said? Uh, th- this series, Darth Vader Volume 2. Um, the other two comic series Soul. are not. Correct. Okay. The other is the other are two by Vader series. Um, comic books always confuse Gil- me, like the Gil- way Pack. they are. Gillen Pack is doing the new one. Section yeah. together. So I, that's what one. I was just saying. Um, yes. Uh, so there's a couple ongoing uh, series that are more than 25 issues. So this one, um, Charles sold it all 25 issues okay. for. Um, and the the art was done by Giuseppe Comincoli, who um, 
I don't really know the name, but I really like the art in the mm. series. The artwork is amazing. And one thing I like about comics is that you can literally judge a book by its cover because <laughs> it's it's an art form, right? So you, you're well within your bounds to be like, oh, I like the art, so I'm going to read the book. Yeah. Um, but the the artwork for the the series is is really amazing. So, um, with that said, I'm just gonna dive right in with issue number one. So, issue number one starts with a story arc called The Chosen One, Part One, and it takes place right after Revenge of the Sith, starting with the Darth Vader no line. Except it was kind of retcon; it's just more of a succinct no, uh, which is interesting. Um, and it picks up uh, following that, so he doesn't even have a lightsaber at this moment. Uh, the Jedi Purge just occurred. We see some of the fallout from that. They are actually um, publicly melting down the Jedi lightsabers left over from the Purge. That's cool. And uh, we get some background into the legacy of the Sith lightsaber, in which Emperor Palpatine explains that the Kyber is actually a living thing, and that uh, the Sith must make it bleed in order to turn it red. So Darth Vader sets out to seek a Jedi to take their kyber crystal in order to make it bleed and make his own red lightsaber. And in the first issue, he comes across a group of locals who stole an Imperial shuttle, and he wipes them out without even using a lightsaber in a really cool scene where he basically just force lifts a bunch of, a bunch of nuts and bolts and just like launches it through their body. It's brutal. And that's kind of the, the, the first issue there. There is an interesting... Um, continuity thing where one of the mm -hmm. lightsabers that they melt down is Yoda's lightsaber and um, Charles Soule has in fact confirmed that Yoda would have made a new lightsaber prior to him passing away because in the Mandalorian Luke had Yoda's lightsaber so it was the book of Boba Fett uh, it was yeah it was the Mandalorian arc in the book of yes. Boba <laughs> <laughs> right okay and then that takes us into Darth Vader issue number two the chosen one part two uh, we start on a space station with clones taking inventory of Jedi artifacts to be sent to Coruscant when Darth Vader arrives. Darth Vader has the access codes and permissions to enter the station, but he chooses to fight the clones instead. And then once on board, he uses a droid to research any recent Jedi who may have taken the bearish vow. So this is the first um, appearance of the Barash. I, I always called it the Barash. It's interesting pronunciations and barrage i say bearish but yeah and reading I don't know. i've never heard it out loud before in a because um were you going to talk about how that's in the high republic have you read that no when is it in the high republic um in phase two the blade of bardada um porter engel his sister is named bearish and she leaves the jedi order and takes a vow to seek the will of the force basically be a wayfinder i didn't recently go back to this so i'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants here but she leaves the order to, to sort of follow her own path instead of the order's path and her name was bearish and the blade was also written by charles soul and he's talked about how he introduced yeah. this back years ago and i guess this is it i i didn't remember when he introduced it but it's cool yeah um so and the um, bearish barash vow however you want to pronounce it um so it's, it's this is where it's introduced is in um the chosen one part two uh, story arc and we learned that it is a jedi vow uh, to refrain from jedi order related activities as a type of penance and so they would have uh, survived order 66 which is why um, darth vader is looking for a jedi who may have recently uh, taken the bearish vow and might have survived order 66 and then in doing so he discovers a jedi by the name of kirik infile a jedi with no training in diplomacy or research he had only one purpose in the order and that is combat and he looks exactly how you want this guy to look he is old he has like a long white ponytail pulled back he has a big burly beard and he is just jacked so 
to see him on the last panel, knowing that he's a Jedi who's basically just meant only for combat, it's pretty exciting stuff. But what color lightsaber does he have? Um, I think green. Yeah, there we go. Okay, were you just quizzing me? <laughs> no, I wanted. I wanted. To, I think that's important for a few. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I happen to be. Looking I, didn't, at a I, didn't, panel. I didn't have that in my notes. The so nod I was... after he after he said green, you're like, correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's an important part of a Jedi. <laughs> Right, it, well, I'll, I'll take notes on it moving forward. There's other Jedi that are about to be mentioned. This I, is I a who got you episode, yeah. so be prepared, Max. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I, I did not. My, I did not intend, here. I did not intend to assault you there. <laughs> um, and then that takes us to uh, Darth Vader issue number three, the Chosen One, part three. Darth Vader finds Kirik and Filet in isolation for his transgressions, but when Vader arrives, Kirik feels great darkness, and he learns that Vader killed all the Jedi. He declares his bearish vow complete and sets to kill Darth Vader and then his master and restore the light of the Jedi. Uh, the two duel... Um, in which Kirik has a sparring droid that he's been using while in isolation, but Vader quickly destroys the droid and um, uh, kind of like he like takes its weapon. Um, but with Vader saberless, he's easily bested by Kirik. He loses a leg and is force pushed off a cliff. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask because Vader doesn't have a lightsaber at this point, so he's Correct. coming hunting this Jedi bare knuckle boxing him. Yep. Okay. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's awesome watching these um, combat sequences of Vader without using a lightsaber. It is, it is really cool. And um, it's, it's interesting in this issue how he just kind of like declares his bearish vow complete um, because all I could think of was like during the entire Clone Wars, no one was like, hey, you guys remember that one Jedi we had? whose only purpose was to fight people. We should go see <laughs> what he's up him. to. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll, let's declare his bearish vow complete. I think he can I think he can come in handy now. Um, but anyway. So that takes us to Darth Vader issue number four, The Chosen One Part Four. Darth Vader repairs himself using the scraps from the sparring droid. Um, claiming his bearish vow complete, Kirik goes into the city built into the side of a dam. There he tries to get his Jedi Starfighter back, but senses Darth Vader is still alive. Kirik confronts Darth Vader again on the dam's wall and fights Darth Vader. Darth Vader starts to break the dam with the Force, requiring Kirik to hold it together. While he's distracted, Darth Vader steals Kirik's lightsaber, Force chokes him, and throws his body into the now-flooded city. And then in the next issue, Darth Vader number five, the chosen one, part five. Lightsaber in hand, Palpatine sends Darth Vader to the site of his greatest defeat, Mustafar, to bleed the crystal. The crystal, being alive with the Force, tries to prevent this by showing Darth Vader visions of redemption to the light, but ultimately bends the crystal to his will, bleeding the crystal. Darth Vader then returns to Coruscant with a red-bladed lightsaber. So that is issue number five. And that's a cool one, too. That whole, all the art for that one, the story. Some of these stories sound very light because there's like a lot of artwork and stuff going on in them and this is one of them the artwork in that one's really cool so far it seems pretty rad I mean, we're getting vader we're getting lightsaberless vader he's throwing bodies into a flooded city um it sounds pretty cool so he so for the first five issues he does not have a saber until number five correct okay yep so he steals this kirik's lightsaber when does he modify it to look like the lightsaber that we recognize as Darth Vader's because growing up I always assumed that he just took Anakin's and made it a little bit darker because it looks very similar I didn't really realize until I was reading this comic series years and years ago that he didn't have a lightsaber obviously I just I guess I just never thought about that but he stole this guy's but it looks like this guy's right yeah yeah and uh they they get there it comes up in a couple issues. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the origin of Darth Vader's lightsaber. It's a key issue. Um, and then that takes us to Darth Vader issue number six, The Chosen One, part six. Um, 
Here, back at the former Jedi Temple, Palpatine tells Vader an intruder is present, uh, where he finds a dark side user, a dark side user, and easily beats him in combat. Only for Palpatine to step in and stop Darth Vader from killing him. He introduces Darth Vader to the Grand Inquisitor, a former Jedi Temple guard. Jealous, he was not allowed to access the secret Jedi records available only to the Council. Palpatine then shows Darth Vader the rest of the Inquisitorius and explains their purpose as Jedi hunters. Palpatine then instructs Vader to train the Inquisitors to turn them into a blade that will cut the Jedi infection from the galaxy. And then this issue ends on an image of a familiar Jedi in hiding, the keeper of those Jedi archives of which the Grand Inquisitor was so jealous, Jocasta New. Oh, I love Jocasta New content. This is probably... So re- remind us who who is Jocasta New because that's a returning jo- character. Yes, Jocasta New is the uh, the very elderly, very elderly librarian uh, that you see in Attack of the Clones, <laughs> who tries to convince Obi Wan that um, Kamino must not exist because otherwise it would be in the archives. Mm. Uh, because Queen Arrogance, I remember she, her. she is, and her arrogance gets to the best of her too, as as we'll see. Uh, so that concludes the Chosen One story arc, and then begins what's probably my third favorite storyline of this uh, series, The Dying Light. So this is Darth Vader issue number seven, The Dying Light Part One. We open on Darth Vader brutally training the Inquisitorius, cutting off multiple limbs from various Inquisitors and demanding they continue to fight. Grand Inquisitor shows up and questions Darth Vader's methods and begins talking about their purpose. Grand Inquisitor reveals he has been given a list of presumed Jedi survivors, among whom Jocasta Nu is a prioritized target. When they see Jocasta Nu, when we see, sorry, we cut then to Jocasta Nu's perspective, and we see Jocasta Nu uh, recording Jedi holocrons of what she describes are her last words, and we also see a new Jedi archive she has managed to build with a character named Gar. Jocasta then reveals she hasn't built an archive, but a school, and a school needs students. So she embarks on a journey back to the former Jedi Temple to retrieve important information. And then back to Darth Vader's um, perspective, Palpatine explains Jocasta is prioritized because as keeper of the records, she knows where the secret Jedi archives are kept, but more importantly, she also knows possible secret Sith archives. Therefore, Palpatine instructs Vader to bring her to him alive. So Jocasta builds a school without any students and then needs to fill the school? Correct. It seems like a backward. So it's, she's going for a field of dreams thing. If you build, they will come. <laughs> yeah. Which to me, historically, seems like the wrong way to go about things. Unless you're building a baseball field. That's very interesting. Yes, it is. Interesting. Usually there's like a need and then you build something. But instead, she's like, I want to do this. Yeah, that's a bold strategy. Yeah. But we, we do know that there are four sensitive children out there. Well, maybe not children never mind scratch that cut that um so uh when uh grand inquisitor reveals this list to darth vader we actually get a shot of a bunch of names written in orabesh and people have translated them and there's a bunch of forums on them uh because the first name is casey baradun that means nothing to me it means nothing to anyone no one knows what that name is <laughs> really yeah that's hilarious Not yet. people i i, I assume the rest of this list is established jedi and yes the rest <laughs> of the jedi are yoda quinlan voss oh. kirik infile jocasta new ahsoka tano and then there's two uh names who the, the middle is like obscured by other artwork but the first name starts with a ku and the last name ends with an ar and the other one, first name starts with an N-A, last name ends with an E-R. So people have also tried to figure out who those people are. Um, I haven't really seen any answers. I think like Casey Baradun, they're maybe made up. And I don't know what Casey or who Casey Baradun is. I wonder if that's like some sort of um, 
maybe like person or like a some sort of play on a, like an, a real life person's name that Charles mm. Soul knows who like helps him with the comics or something because we know that he's done that before. Um, and such just as open Matt it. Martin helps him with the the comics a lot, and he's created a character whose name is Mart Matten. So I wonder if Casey Baradun is something kind of like that, but also just opens up a new storyline to potentially yeah the from what i saw from what limited research i did uh the internet is not sure who this casey baradun character i also is. like how i know it's just like a partial spelling but ke with an ra is just basically just like kira as well mm, that's interesting yeah another character yeah and he different spelling um and then that takes us to darth vader issue number eight the dying light part two jocasta new sneaks back into the former jedi temple and accesses a secret archive hidden within it there we see a droid watching guard over its contents from there jocasta locates a jedi record of all known force sensitive children in the galaxy before order 66 on her way out, Jocasta New observes the Grand Inquisitor going through the archives. She knows she has to leave, but lets her emotions get the better of her and confronts the Grand Inquisitor, telling him to get his dirty hands off her books. Oh, that's a bold move. It is. And this is where this is where her arrogance gets the best of her. So that takes us into Darth Vader issue number nine, The Dying Light Part 3. Jocasta fights Grand Inquisitor, who eventually bests her. She's about to get killed when Darth Vader steps in at the last second and orders the Grand Inquisitor not to kill her. Grand Inquisitor doesn't understand, and a brief fight breaks out between Darth Vader and Grand Inquisitor, giving Jocasta new time to get back into the secret archive. From there, she erases all of the data from the archive. Darth Vader follows Jocasta new to the secret archive, confronts the guardian droid who recognizes him as Anakin Skywalker. Darth Vader then fights the droid who manages to crush Darth Vader's hand before losing. While Darth Vader and the droid fight, Jocasta New pulls out this blaster from a vault that she loads her lightsaber into as an attachment and unleashes this huge blast of energy, sending Darth Vader flying through a wall. It uses cool. a lightsaber as a bullet? That's sick. Yeah, it is. It's really wow. cool. Um, and then Darth Vader, issue number 10, The Dying Light, part 4. If, this real is, quick, is the is saber still... One usable then i assume is it just how does that work um you know i don't have that in my notes as to when this happens but no it does overheat it it ruins her lightsaber yeah i don't know if that was in issue number nine or so like the kyber is burned out or is it the the actual kyber itself or is it the hilt you know i don't okay no i I don't know also if i'm doing my math correct we have 15 more uh issues yes all right moving moving right along (laughs) i I feel like i'm so off my game this episode since i know nothing about the comics the Dying Light, Part 4. Jocasta and Darth Vader continue to battle, during which Jocasta New learns Palpatine wants her alive. She tries to jump off the temple to kill herself to deny Palpatine the victory, but Darth Vader uses the Force to catch her. Classic Han. She is brought into custody and searched. They locate the memory crystal with names of Force-sensitive children. Vader then downloads it into his suit and views this information in his helmet. Oh, that's cool. Jocasta New confronts Vader as being Anakin Skywalker, former Jedi Knight, in front of the clones around them. Without hesitation, Darth Vader slaughters the clones and tells Jocasta New that she was the one who caused that. Jocasta New then tells Vader it is obvious why Palpatine wants that list, to create more of you. But that then begs the question, what do you want? Darth Vader then ignites his crimson blade, and Jocasta New replies, so be it, as Darth Vader strikes down Jocasta New in cold blood. Darth Vader then contacts Palpatine to tell him Jocasta New's recklessness caused her to perish. When Palpatine asks if Vader learned anything from Jocasta New before her death, Darth Vader replies, nothing. He then destroys the memory crystal and the information along with it. 
back at Jocasta News, uh, new quote-unquote school, we see Gar watching over an empty archive. Years and years go by and no one comes. Finally, in his old age, Gar realizes the contents of the secret archive must never fall into the wrong hands and he will not be around much longer, so he blows up the entrance to the archive, burying it, knowing it will be discovered only when the time is right. And then in the very last panel, we get an image of no other than Luke Skywalker uncovering Jocasta News' secret archive. Wow. What era, Luke? You're talking. Um, young, so presumably shortly after Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. right before he starts his school, is when I would assume. Well, yeah, he's probably got to go to other ones to see how they're doing it, get accreditation, yeah, so on and so forth. Oh, the accreditation of Jedi schools. It's, it's That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you have those ones for profit. They obviously don't do as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, and then that takes us to Darth Vader, issue number 11, The Rule of Five, part one. Darth Vader and Ninth Sister go to a bar where a Jedi sighting allegedly occurred. We get Ooh, some. The Ninth background. Sister was in Jedi Survivor. I know her. She was, yes. Yeah. And we get some background into her. Also, do they say bar or do they say cantina? I'm just wondering. I mean, that's such a stupid thing, but I'm actually wondering if they do say bar. I think, I think bar might have been my my note. Okay, yeah, I, <laughs> it's probably sorry. a cantina. The Ninth Sister is a Dawutan, one of the only ones we see in the series. That's like the guy that Bazine Natal was hanging out with on The Force Awakens mm-hmm. when they go into Mos Kanata's cantina. And yeah. she informs the First Order. She's mm. laying on a big Dawutan. Yeah, they got the cool. big little chin horns. Yes. They're cool. And, I like um, them. Those are cool. Ninth Sister in the uh, Fallen Order game. Do you notice anything about her physically? Um, she loses an arm in the game that she has a prosthetic for in the second game, I noticed. Man, but I think that's it. Loss in she, in those games. she also uh, has a uh, prosthetic leg or cybernetic or whatever. And she only has one eye. Oh, I do remember the eye. Yeah. Hmm. Are we about to find out why? Yes, so we get some background into Ninth Sister, such as losing an eye to Vader during training. Um, and then she later loses uh, a leg in another issue. <laughs> Diabetes that's, that's a look forward to. <laughs> Diabetes. <laughs> um, so Darth Vader and Ninth Sister walk into a bar. This is a great that setup. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they find no Jedi, but are ambushed by a family of bounty hunters. Darth Vader tracks down the family after escaping the failed hit job and threatens to kill the daughter if they don't say who hired them. They don't know, but are able to hack the bounty net to find out where it came from, only to learn that the hit was placed by the Emperor himself. Mm. That's cool. Darth Vader issue number 12, The Rule of Five, part two. In the previous issue, <laughs> I forgot to write this during the time. In the previous issue, Vader's lightsaber is destroyed during the failed assassination attempt. And then this issue, issue His number His brand 12, new lightsaber? Yes. That Man. sucks. Classic, <laughs> classic Anakin. He always be doing that. <laughs> And then this issue, it starts with him uh, building his classic, uh, the iconic lightsaber hilt that you know Darth Vader to have. Oh, so that w- that was Kirik's lightsaber that got destroyed? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then Darth Vader, issue number 12, he builds his iconic lightsaber. What does he do about a kyber crystal? Does he use the same one? Uh, it's the same one. Okay. Okay. The, the, same the crystal survived. Hmm. Okay. Um, Vader travels back to Coruscant, but is again attacked on his way. He survives and ultimately confronts Palpatine, who denies placing any such kill order. After some meditation, Vader requests from Palpatine to set an example to which the Emperor agrees. Darth Vader and Palpatine give a speech in front of a large crowd of Imperial officers in which Vader says there has been an assassination attempt on his life and believes it to come from within the Imperial officer corps. Vader then calls five officers forward at random and informs the crowd that he will always survive, but these five officers selected at random will not. He force chokes them to death. All five? All five. Is that the rule of five? That's the rule of five. Dang. 
Interesting. Yeah. And then that takes us to Darth Vader, issue number 13, Burning Seas, part one. This one's probably my second favorite story arc. This one starts with a time jump. Some time has now passed since the ascension of Emperor Palpatine in the Galactic Empire. Politi- political disputes have begun, and Palpatine wants to send a message that his voice is the only one that matters. He sends a team led by Tarkin to Moncala to ensure it stands with the Empire due to some recent disputes the planet has had with the Empire. On Moncala, we see King Lee Char negotiate with an Imperial ambassador over a trade dispute. The king is accompanied by his right-hand man, Radis. Meanwhile, Darth Vader is sent to the planet as Palpatine believes the king may also have a secret advisor, a Jedi. Darth Vader and his Inquisitors make Planetfall, but are um, questioned by the king's chief of security, Guile Akbar. Akbar claims Moncal is peaceful and Darth Vader's presence is unnecessary and unwanted. However, in that moment, the Imperial Ambassador's shuttle is destroyed with the Ambassador on board. Tarkin notes that the fools have chosen war. Finally, we end on a Jedi, the secret advisor to the king, being advised of the situation. We don't see his face, but upon hearing of Vader's description, knows who it is, Anakin Skywalker. So this is the same Lee Char from that Mon Cala arc with Kit Fisto in the Clone Wars where he was Prince Lee Char. Yes. And Radis, the same guy that led home or was piloting Home One in Rogue One. And, or the very same. Is it is it Home One in... Uh, no, I think the, Home One is the one that Akbar is using on in return, right? Yes, I think that's right. What's the name of Radis's ship? I can't place it. It's not the Radis because there's another ship the Radis, called the Radis right. <laughs> in the Last Jedi. Right? Um, coincidence? A little, little echo situation yeah, going coincidence. on. <laughs> and then Gael Akbar. His first name's Gael. I guess I never knew that. Appar- I don't know if it's pronounced Gael. G I A L. G I A L. Okay. Gael. Gael. Giles is a character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which Interesting. I don't know if that spelling is the same, but I'm going to look it up right now. Um, I also uh, like that his name is Lee Char because this is written by a man named Charles who presumably goes by Charlie. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of flipped the yep. syllables. <laughs> that is funny, but he didn't name this character. It was oh, that's true. Character. He was in Clone Wars. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe someone else named Charlie did it. <laughs> or maybe that's why Charles still wanted to bring him back. He's like, <laughs> that's his favorite me, character. That's his, that's his glup shido. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's that? Whose favorite character is that? Charles Souls. <laughs> that's his favorite character? Who what? Who did you, who did you say? That name? Glup Shido? Yeah. That's a... I don't know. I actually know if it's a name. That's a phrase um, to mean the minor character that you ineffably love in Star Wars. So mine is Kit Fisto. Other people have other Glup hmm. Shidos. I feel Salacious like I... Crumb's a common one. That, yeah. Nine I, Numb. I see that. Nine yeah. Big Nine Numb fan. <laughs> Uh, Darth Vader, issue number 14, The Burning Seas, part two. War breaks out all over Moncala. Quarren, and I left this blank because I was going to go back and fill it in, but I didn't. What, what species is Akbar? Moncala. Just Moncala? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, alike, fight side by side against the invading empire. Darth Vader and his inquisitors march on the palace. King Leechar remains to give a final address to his people from his throne as the planet evacuates its citizens. Meanwhile, Jedi, revealed to be Jedi Farron Barr, who's a new Jedi, mm-hmm. but he's a Niktachi with a broken horn. It's a really cool design. Cool. Is revealed and also has a handful of acolytes with him. He explains how he obtained security footage from the Jedi Temple from the Night of the Purge, and that is how he knows Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Master Barr says he has a plan to rid the galaxy of Darth Vader forever. He advises the king to fight the Empire no matter what, as they will never leave. 
The king goes to make his address, but is interrupted when Darth Vader and the Inquisitors break into the throne room. We think Darth Vader is about to kill the king until he is saved at the last second by the king's contingency to flood the entire planet. Half the planet's already underwater, so it really doesn't make any difference to the, the Quarren and Moncala, but it really sets back the Empire. <laughs> um, I'm starting to think that Akbar's species is the Mon Calamari. I always forget. What's the planet? The planet is Moncala. The planet is Moncala. People are Mon Calamari then. Because it's calamari like the well, fish. I'm, I'm we glad eat. that you didn't know right off the top of your head either, because as soon as I came across that blank, I was like, damn it. I, meant <laughs> <laughs> I, I always have a hard time remembering that because it's such a low effort name. The fish guy from Return of the Jedi. And and someone asked George Lucas what his name up? Uh, calamari. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, he probably just had that for lunch. We, shouldn't we kind of Star Wars it up a little bit? <laughs> Mon Calamari. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just throw Mon instead of something. Oh, her name is Mothma. Mon Mothma. <laughs> uh, Darth Vader, issue number 15, Burning Seas, part three. Darth Vader survives, obviously, we know this, uh, by using a force bubble underwater. Uh, he is reunited with the Inquisitors, who revealed that they have obtained the location of the Jedi. King Leechar survives the flooding and warns Farinbar that the Inquisitors know where he is. Meanwhile, Akbar leads a successful attack on an Imperial sky base being used by the Empire as a staging ground for their battles. This upsets Tarkin, who then decides he is escalating this war. Dang, I was hoping he survived because his suit had mechanical gills. <laughs> he, he, Can you imagine? He, he doesn't need to breathe air. He, he can breathe water, for everything. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Head cannon. That'll, we'll, we'll chop that one up as a, as a fan theory. <laughs> Uh, Darth Vader, issue number 16, Burning Seas, part four. Darth Vader is requested by Tarkin to give up on the Jedi and instead focus on getting the king. Uh, Vader reluctantly agrees. The Inquisitors and their accompanying purge troopers continue to pursue the Jedi. Farron Barr and his acolytes continue to run. Many have to sacrifice themselves to save the others. As Master Barr's acolytes die, we get background on each one of them, which is just a gut punch every single time like we see this person die and then we're like hey you want to know this person's whole background and it's like oh my god <laughs> how many pages are each of these comics also uh they're all 22 pages okay cool uh as master bar's acolytes die we get background on them we learn that they are not force sensitive but they have all had either positive run-ins with jedi or negative run-ins with the empire uh, which Farron Barr uses to manipulate these people into following him. We also learn that Farron Barr's only goal is to get as many planets into wars against the Empire as possible. He doesn't actually have Moncala's best interest at heart. Inquisitors and Purge Troopers eventually catch up to Farron Barr and his acolytes. Farron Barr reveals the truth of the Inquisitors and their former lives as Jedi. The Inquisitors claim that this is ancient history and does not matter, but Farron Barr disagrees. Farron Barr is a student of history and has studied everything about the Jedi Purge. Farron Barr then uses the Force to remove the helmets of the Purge Troopers, only to confirm his suspicions. They are clones, young ones, likely the last ones off the line before the Empire shut it down, meaning they would have come online after the Purge. After revealing the Inquisitors as former Jedi, Farron Barr instructs the clones to execute Order 66. <laughs> oh, because they didn't execute it the first time. Yeah, and they're That's Jedi. That's how it works. Cool. It's a one-time use chip. I was just going to say. <laughs> it works. Darth Vader, issue number 17, Burning Seas, part 5. Order 66 is executed, and the Purge Troopers turn on the Inquisitors, allowing Farron Barr to escape with one acolyte. He tells uh, his follower to seek out other Jedi and to continue their mission. 
Um, as a side note, I did not have this in my notes. However, this is when um, Ninth Sister loses a leg. Uh, one Inquisitor who's with them gets killed by the Purge Troopers, and one of the other Inquisitors cuts off um, Ninth Sister's leg so that he can escape because he's a coward. But one-legged Ninth Sister still manages to survive as well. Nice. Meanwhile, Darth Vader locates the king and Tarkin, uh, has him watch as they destroy the king's planet. I said that weird. Meanwhile, Darth Vader locates the king, and Tarkin has him watch as they destroy the king's planet. Farron Barr then shows up and confronts Darth Vader. It is revealed that Farron Barr killed the ambassador to drag Moncala into the war with the Empire. Upon hearing this, the king is upset and immediately orders his armies to cease fire and claims it was all a misunderstanding. The Empire doesn't care and continues to destroy cities from orbit all over the planet. Realizing the Empire won't stop, Radis and Akbar evacuate the fleet and go into hiding. Darth Vader ultimately kills Farron Barr in combat and takes the king captive. King Leechar tells Darth Vader he hasn't seen the last of Moncala and that somehow Moncala will rise again. Darth Vader replies, There is no Moncala. Moncala is gone. There is only the Empire. Mm, that's a cool line. So, this is where Tarkin gets his interest in holding people hostage while he blows up their homeworld? This is MO, apparently. <laughs> And so just to confirm, we see the flash forward of Luke Skywalker getting going to the school, and then we go back to the regular story, correct? So there's a little yeah. bit of flash forwards. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. All right. And then that takes us to one of the most interesting issues of the series, Darth Vader issue number 18, Bad Ground. It is a uh it's a one-off. It's uh this is the only story of its like little arc here. Um, but it's probably one of my favorites. It's really good. So uh, running out of Jedi to hunt, Vader requests Tarkin to hunt him himself. What follows is a game of cat and mouse between the cunning tactician and brute force. Tarkin hires numerous hunters only to all die at the hands of Vader after serving Tarkin's purposes. Tarkin is ultimately able to draw Vader out into the Stormlands, a.k.a. the Bad Ground. Vader is about to kill Tarkin, who then falls to his knees as if to surrender, but he isn't surrendering. For in the Stormlands, the bigger you are, the quicker you die. Just then, Darth Vader gets struck by lightning, which nearly kills him. However, Tarkin keeps him alive and calls a ship for their evacuation. But Vader, still having one ounce of life left in him, force chokes Tarkin. However, Vader likewise spares Tarkin's life. It's a really cool issue. The, th the thing with comics is you know where they're going to end up. So, like, the whole issue, you know Vader and Tarkin survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just kind of a question of, like, what are they doing? How do they get there? Because the story kind of throws you right in the middle of it. So it's really, it is a really interesting issue. And they're short. They're only, like, 22 pages. And since it's a kind of a, a single one-off story, yeah. um, I think that's a good one to kind of read real quick. That journey to go through. He's forced choking a lot of people and building lightsabers a lot so far. Yeah. That's a really good... Um, kind of explanation or at least exploration for how Tarkin has so much respect from Vader. Cause I always find that mm -hmm. myself kind of bothered with that in a new hope that Vader is taking orders from Tarkin. Yeah. So kind of like Tarkin's not being that nice about it. And Vader, from what we know about him from these comics and everything else, he, it does not seem in character for him, but that's cool that that's how Tarkin got so much respect from him. Yeah. Cause like Tarkin, that. Tarkin basically beat him, right? I mm -hmm. mean, he had the upper hand. He could have killed him if he wanted to, but he, realized he also appreciated uh vader's power so he he kept him alive as well and yeah i think that helped build that mutual trust that we see in a new hope and then that takes us to darth vader issue number 19 the beginning of the last story arc fortress vader and this one's probably my favorite of the entire series uh this one gets pretty dark and it starts off the rip so eth koth is revealed to have survived the jedi purge 
he was kicked off the Jedi Council before the purge and is living as a husband and as of today a father. Unfortunately, Vader and the Inquisitors show up just as Ethkoth and his wife welcome a daughter into the world. Ethkoth fights Vader and tells his wife, Mira, to take the baby and go. The Inquisitors follow Mira and the baby as Ethkoth fights Darth Vader. A female Inquisitor eventually catches up to Mira, who pleads to the Inquisitor, woman to woman, to let her go. The Inquisitor agrees, and Mira boards a ship with the baby. Just as the ship is about to take off, the Inquisitor uses the Force to steal the baby from her mother's arms, leaving Mira distraught and unable to go back to rescue her own child. The Inquisitors return to Darth Vader with the baby. Ethkoth sees his child and in a moment of distraction is murdered by Darth Vader. Darth Vader and the Inquisitors return to Coruscant with the baby and turn the baby over. It's not really explained who they turn the baby over to. They have like these kind of Imperial Guard looking people that they just give them to. The entire time I was reading it, my like heart was in my stomach because I thought they were going to like kill the baby. But then they just turn it over and I'm like, okay, that's a little bit better. But maybe I don't yeah, know what happens to that baby. Yeah, that's that, uh, that is dark. Yeah, that's very dark. That's a good story. I mean, so far, I mean, everything you said sounds really cool. I, I do like part of it part of me really likes and part of me is like not bothered by the comics or anything we're like i mean this is just like a different uh, different ground but it's just kind of like filling in all of those gaps and like this like you said like the, to me it's like him not actually having the actual saber that he built you know he modeled after luke's is like to me a little bothersome just because like for my entire life you just think that it is like the same but it's like whether it or whatnot with that being said stories like this really intrigue me where it is that it's more of like morality versus kind of like how things got made or how things whatever yeah. just like like you said like tarkin's relationship with vader and kind of exploring that stuff versus more of those weird intricate de- details um but that sounds really this whole thing sounds really really cool but uh that story uh really yeah that's like not the first one that piqued my interest but that sounds really really cool yeah no i i agree 100 percent, obviously and i think that uh i think this one also ends on a very dark note too which is really cool eth koth was also a big question mark for most of my life because i remember when revenge of the sith came out i thought that that was eth koth that went mm-hmm. and arrested or tried to arrest palpatine with mace windu and cc10 kit fisto mm-hmm. it was actually agent kohler who's another iridonian zabrak that's the same species as eth koth and eth koth was in the Phantom Menace. Uh, I don't even know if he's in Attack of the Clones now that I think about it. But I remember, you know, it, it was assumed because I had an Ethcoth toy and this guy looked just like him that that was him. Mm-hmm. And then I saw in some book or toy or behind the scenes thing, and it was like, oh, I think actually that's Agent Kohler. And I was just like, why? Like, where's Ethcoth? <laughs> like, this just adds so many more questions than it answers. Why is this a different person? But right. that leaves a good story open for Ethcoth. That's that's it nice. Does. And this is he yeah, became a, he became a story. father, family man. <laughs> I, I stopped listening after you said he had a family. So <laughs> well, for all I know, if, he's happy. If you oh, want a happy, man. if you want a happy ending, <laughs> stop there. <laughs> Moderately happier than Agent Kohler, who was struck down <laughs> unceremoniously and immediately. <laughs> and immediately. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I thought the exact same thing, actually. I never knew. I think you might have been the one who originally told me that it was not Ethkoth who dies, and that's Agent Kohler, because they look identical. And yeah, mm-hmm. like you, I had the same thing. I'm like, why even make them a different character? Just say that's the same character. Oh, even yeah. better backstory, they're twins separated at birth, which oh. seems to be a... Uh, a th- you know a theme throughout Star Wars, but separated at birth, uh, they're twins, and they uh, little did they know they're kind of crossing paths. Hey, Obi Wan just revealed that he has a brother. So I know. I don't want to say how you, for that story. You're line. not thinking that's a bigger deal, Luke. <laughs> Kaloran Beck and Ahmed Beck. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with that? No, there's Kaloran two Ahmed Beck. Uh, in Attack of the Clones, Ahmed Best has a cameo in the, oh, in the in bar the, scene. Yeah, his character has a toy and is named Ahmed Beck. It's Beck, B-E-Q, the same last name as Kelleran Beck. So 
They could be twins. Same actor, same last name. Boy, I I like to think they were one was force sensitive, one was not. And the Jedi were like, okay, we'll take this one. (laughs) And the other one grew up to a life of crime. And like when you're like getting a dog and it has a sibling, you're like, (laughs) I'm not going to take that one. (laughs) Yes. And the parents are trying to like reassure Ahmed, like, don't worry, you'll you'll do great things with your life. <laughs> Cut to him in this bar buying death sticks. Oh man. Later, uh, so this is the same issue, Fortress Vader Part One. Uh, later, the female Inquisitor is having a drink with another male Inquisitor, discussing the mission. When Darth Vader shows up to their table and ignites his lightsaber, and that leads into Darth Vader issue number twenty, Fortress Vader Part Two. Darth Vader brings his lightsaber down on the female Inquisitor only for the male to save her. It is revealed that they have a secret relationship. They then run away and decide the only way they will ever truly be free is to kill Darth Vader. The two encounter Vader in a battle that uh, spans much of Coruscant and causes lots of destruction. Vader finally gets the upper hand and kills them both simultaneously by using the force to force them to impale each other. Darth Vader later describes the incident to Palpatine, who's upset by the destruction done to the city. Palpatine then says he's moving the Inquisitors off-planet to their own base on a different world. Vader then says um, that he requests his own planet as well. Palpatine offers him Naboo, Tatooine, but Vader requests Mustafar. That's cool. This (laughs) is a good uh, issue to kind of explain like that... uh, like. uh, like kind of like weird comedic beats that you see in comics and like these dark tones because this is a pretty dark issue but there is a really funny comedic beat where there's like this whole battle happening like they're jumping from like speeder to speeder and I think Vader like like slices the engine off of a speeder on accident while he's trying to kill one of them or something and then it cuts to two people in a park having a picnic <laughs> And the the speeder just crashes into them and kills them. Oh, my God. And and Palpatine later explains that one of them was one of the senators that was helping Palpatine and all that stuff. And that's why Palpatine was so upset about it. It's very funny to me when you're like, Palpatine's upset. I'm like, what the hell, Vader? You got to do some rules. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't seem very in character for Palpatine to be like, oh, come on. That's eight million credits that you just caused the property damage. That'd be really funny. He's like regretting things. He's like, I don't. And then it's even funnier to request a planet for yourself. That's insane. Yeah. Oh man. And, uh, the Empire's got resources. They, I know. They make a big deal about how like Palpatine holds Vader in such high esteem, and that's why he's willing to offer him Naboo because that's Palpatine's home planet. Yeah. But obviously he requests Mustafar. But yeah, there's there's a lot of moments in that I can't cover every single you know panel, obviously. But there's a lot of like random comedic moments yeah. like that that kind of take you out of it. But you're like, oh my god, that was hilarious. I imagine but if he cut the engine off and he looks at the the camera breaking the fourth wall and just says, "Uh oh." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, and then they uh, so that the two also go back and add this as well. The male and female inquisitors they kind of talk about how the only way they'll be free is to get rid of Darth Vader, and and they kind of imply that this was like a plan all along. So they didn't really tie a, a super tight bow on this, but it is believed that they are the ones who actually placed the hit to kill Darth Vader in one of the earlier issues. Mm, That's interesting. That's a cool callback. Um, And then Darth Vader, issue number 21, Fortress Vader, part three. Darth Vader goes to Mustafar with an architect, engineer, and a gift from Palpatine. I'm loving where this is headed. (laughs) As I wrote that, I was like, Matt's going to appreciate this. The the logistics. Uh, How do you build on a volcanic? It's insane. That's why you you need a team. 
Uh, we learn that Darth Vader uh, chose Mustafar because it is the site of his greatest defeat and therefore the most inspirational. The architect struggles to come up with plans for a fortress acceptable to Vader. The architect walks back to the ship and is murdered. Darth Vader later enters the ship to find the murderer, the engineer wearing a mask. We then learn the mask belonged to Lord Momin, an ancient, presumably Sith, who preferred to create rather than destroy. Palpatine believes he and Momin had that in common, which is why Palpatine gave the mask to Vader as a gift. However, Momin's ways were unconventional and is considered a heretic. Darth Vader strikes down the engineer and discovers plans the engineer drew up for a fortress while wearing the helmet. And then in Darth Vader issue number 22, Fortress Vader Part 4. Darth Vader has a conversation with the, the mask slash helmet who reveals himself to be Momin. He can possess the body of those who wear his helmet. We get into Momin's background. He was a force user who had a morbid obsession with the dark side. He was also an artist who believed his work should force its viewers to feel emotions. Momin believed fear and pain were the greatest of the emotions as it is the first we encounter after being born. So he set out for all of his work to evoke those emotions. Ick. Eventually, another Sith learns of Momin and sought to take him on as her apprentice. While Momin never thought of himself as a master and therefore never took an apprentice of his own, he also never saw himself as second to anyone. He eventually kills his master and sets out to create a masterpiece, a shrine to the dark side. Momin develops an engine which, with the Force, could freeze time. Momin then crafted a plan to destroy an entire city, and when its citizens realized they would die, Momin would freeze them in time and leave them in a frozen state of pain and fear forever. Unfortunately, Momin was foiled by the Jedi and destroyed. Darth Vader then asks about the plans to which Momin says is actually a key to the path beyond the dark side, and that, with Vader's help, could be Momin's masterpiece. I don't know if it's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I wasn't You're able really to trap this entire guy. city in time for all eternity. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Foiled by those darn Jedi. <laughs> Would have gotten away for it, too, if it weren't you and those meddling kids. Uh, oh, so that was brutal. That was like an episode of Metalocalypse, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. It's it's dark. Moment is dark. And he's uh, he, show, he pops up throughout other Star Wars comics as well. I think the fans really like him. I really like him. Um, Darth Vader, issue number 23, Fortress Vader, part 5. Darth Vader and Momin attempt numerous different fortress designs that can withstand the powers needed to open the doors of the Force. They finally construct a fortress, and Darth Vader begins to open the doors beyond the Force, but is interrupted by locals seeking to repel Vader from Mustafar. Darth Vader leaves to deal with the threat, but Momin, who previously said he could not use the Force in this form as just a mask, is able to open the doors himself and is greeted by no other than himself. He then dons his own helmet and claims that he is his own masterpiece. So there's another kind of funny comedic beat in this one, too, is uh, Darth Vader... Uh, in order to work with Momin, needs a body. So he keeps like taking an Imperial Stormtrooper guard mm. officer, whoever, and just forces them to wear the mask. And then when they're going through all these different uh, fortress designs, they like build half the fortress and then it gets destroyed because its integrity isn't whatever good enough. And Vader keeps getting frustrated, so he just keeps killing the body and then taking the helmet and putting it on someone else. And so there's like six panels in a row where like you don't see him kill anyone, but they're all on different bodies. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, 
But then that leads into Darth Vader number 24, Fortress Vader Part 6. Darth Vader and the Imperials battle the Mustafarians. The Mustafarian priests eventually call upon the blood of Mustafar to eliminate Vader. The lava then rises and washes over Vader and his army like a tidal wave. Vader is able to survive using a force bubble, callback, use that on Moncala, hey. and retreats to his fortress. There, Vader is able to use his new shrine to similarly flood his attackers, wiping them all out. Momin then appears and thanks Vader for preserving his castle. The two then battle, in which Momin states Vader believes the dark side serves him, but is wrong. They are there to serve the dark side. And Momin, knowing this, is why the dark side will keep him alive. And Momin says... Knowing this, Momin says this is why the dark side will keep him alive. Momin gets the upper hand and cuts off one of Vader's cybernetic arms. Vader then asks Momin if he lied about what lies beyond the doors, and Momin says no. All things are possible through the Force, and what Vader des desires awaits on the other side. Vader then uses the Force to squish Momin like a bug with a massive slab of volcanic wall, and his head, like, pops off kind of like a pimple it's really cool it's brutal and the helmet still kind of like just falls off though so the helmet's still around but he kills moment's body brutal uh vader then opens the door himself and claims that his destiny is his own and that leads into the final issue of the series darth vader issue number 25 fortress vader part 7 what kind of door is it that he has to open himself i feel like we how many doors have we seen that they have to physically open? Don't they usually open by themselves? It's not a blast door. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's yeah, no, it's weird. I mean, it's like the doors to heaven, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's, massive it's like doors that open into a cosmic entity. Yes, it's not Dang, it's right. like not all physical, so it's it's kind of trippy and, and hard to describe. And issue number twenty five, this one that I'm about to try to describe, is definitely the hardest because <laughs> perfect. Well, I'll, just, I'll just say here. Um, so Darth Vader walks through the doors and enters into a dark side astral form. Darth Vader is guided through his memories from the perspective of the dark side in a series of trippy flashbacks. We even get a beat showing Palpatine manipulating the force to conceive Anakin. Darth Vader is also forced to fight all the members of the Jedi Council, including Yarrow Poof, who he beheads, which with a neck that long is just super satisfying to see. Not, not all. I, I was finishing up this series just earlier today before I left, and yeah. I know what panel you're talking about because it shows almost all of the Jedi. It has... You know, Yoda, Yaddle, Stacey Tin, Shakti, Plo Koon, Jocasta Nu, who's not usually included, but she was in the series. Same with uh, Kirik and Eeth Koth. Mm -hmm. No Kit Fisto. <laughs> lot of, lot of headline <laughs> Jedi here. And Kit Fisto is glaringly not there. I mean, Quinlan Voss, Depa Balaba, Yarol yeah. Poof. Can I see I, it? Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, also, yeah. That's, that's kind of insane because, I mean, he is a legitimately one of the coolest characters to... He get, oh, yeah, yeah, visually, the he's design. the coolest looking. Mm -hmm. It is weird that they don't use him more often. Yeah, I was kind of bummed. And I mean, he said almost nothing in canon, so you can really make that character whatever you want. Still. I also mm -hmm. feel like every time I see Kit Fisto, Plo Koon is always there, too. Those are like the coolest. I, I just feel like those are like... Yeah, uh, the, their Black Series toys were released very rad. In, at the same time. They're, they're, they're pretty linked to each other. I think they're the most popular B-line, or probably C or D-line <laughs> Jedi from the prequels. <laughs> Because Kiani Mundi has a lot of speaking roles, mm. inexplicably. <laughs> yeah. George Lucas saw it fit to give him all the lines from the Jedi Council Real that quick, weren't Mace Windu or Yoda. So you, it, it does say that Palpatine then is the one who did the Immaculate Conception with Anakin. So Because we were just talking about that as well. Right. We were just talking about that. And yeah. actually, my uh, sister-in-law listened to that episode. She's a school teacher, a, mm -hmm. a Catholic school teacher. And she told me that the Immaculate Conception was actually the conception of Mary, who was born without sin. And that was what was immaculate, perfect conception. And mm -hmm. the conception of Jesus was 
a virgin birth and not quote the immaculate conception. That's not the f- that's not what the phrase is. The immaculate conception is her being able to yeah to, yeah so that makes if, sense. So if uh, the immaculate conception is Darth Vader being born, then it would be about Darth Vader being born without then Luke any Skywalker sin. would be the chosen one. Oh, but no, that's not a one to one though because Darth Vader no. doesn't have a father. Um, so after uh, having to fight um, in his astral form all of these different uh, uh, Jedis of the Jedi Council, Darth Vader also witnesses a battle between Palpatine and Obi-Wan in a symbolic fight for Anakin's father figure. Palpatine strikes down Obi-Wan, but then Vader kills Palpatine himself. And it all leads to a final balcony where Vader, now back as Anakin, is once again reunited with the love of his life, Padme. Anakin says he has come back for her and can save her, save them both. Anakin pleads with Padme to take his hand. Padme replies, why? I don't know you. Her eyes go red and says, Anakin Skywalker is dead. She then jumps off the balcony to her death. Anakin tries to catch her with the force, but a red streak of lightning blows her up in front of Anakin's eyes. Anakin leaves and returns to the real world in the form of Darth Vader once again, at which point he takes his lightsaber and destroys the shrine portion of the fortress, which contains the doors beyond the force. Vader then receives a call from Palpatine, who is relieved to see Vader is alive. Palpatine asked if his journey has shown Vader what he needed, to which, standing resolute before Fortress Vader, he hangs up his communicator and replies to himself, yes. Thus ends... Charles Soule's run of Darth Vader. That's nice. a lot of good stuff. I, I, I also really like this comic series, but I wanted to talk about something that you glossed over, which is just in that last issue. You said Vader leaves the the astral plane door, dark side nexus area. Um, He's like blown yeah, back because there's a a figure that appears in there. There's like a blue sky beam, like in Avengers, and then there's a a figure there that like pushes him out. Who's the figure? Do we see it? No. I have it pulled up right here, but you can look at the panel. It's it's not oh. Vader. But the way he's holding the lightsaber, you think it's Luke because he's the one who saves him? I don't oh, know. Cool. That's, that's how I that's, that's how what you I think? read that. Yeah. Can I see it? Because it also looks like a blue lightsaber. I don't know. It well, looks, it's all blue. It looks to me like it would. Well, yeah. I think it's. I think I didn't include it because it's very open to interpretation. And um, it is. That's why Charles, I thought it would be fun to discuss. Yeah, Charles Soule has even said that himself. He doesn't like discussing his work too much because I think he likes people kind of taking it however they want to perceive it. Um, because he also has commented that that last sequence is uh, it's being narrated through the perspective of the dark side, and that the dark side is not a reliable mm. narrator. So that's kind of the the write-off to be like you know eh, palpatine may or may not have conceived anakin like that's not set in stone or anything like that I also so maybe say- that's anakin that banishes vader from the dark side nexus oh that'd be cool i think anakin's a fun theory too yeah that's cool the, the lightsaber color doesn't really mean it i mean this entire man is no. blue yeah <laughs> It's, it's very, very ambiguous and intentionally so. Um, but there's a lot of things like that um, within all of these issues. Like, I, I couldn't get into every single thing. There's, like, a couple random B lines. Um, but it is it is very good. And even if you have now listened to me describe every single issue in detail, it is still very worth reading. There are some other things in there that I couldn't get to. But also, again, I'll just plug the art alone is well worth it. It is incredible. So the, just uh, this is the second run, right? In the in the run of three, you said? Correct, yeah. There are three Darth Vader comic series. And so each series, do they run into each other at all? Like, do they, like is it 
a logical next step? No. Okay. Th- in fact, this one's an illogical next step because okay. Darth Vader Volume 1 starts uh, right after the events of A New Hope, mm-hmm. and it oh, goes okay. right up to the events of um, Empire. Oh, okay. So the and very, then Volume 3 yeah. starts right after the events of Empire, and it's still going on right now, but it's presumably going to go up to the okay. very so we get like return. The first little bit, and then we go kind of flashback it a little bit. Okay, yeah. yeah. Comics kind of, kind of confuse me. For being such a nerd, I, I never um, there's, got into yeah. them. And there's a bunch of different stories that kind of span time and stuff, too. Yeah. And like you pointed out earlier, there's like time jumps within this comic series alone. So it's not you know entirely clear you know how mm-hmm. long this takes place. We know it starts right after Revenge of the Sith. And it ends with Fortress Vader being built. And they talk about um, Fortress Inquisitorious, but we never see it. I guess we see that for sure within 10 years. So this would have ended some point within ten years following yeah. Revenge of the Sith. It sounds all really cool. The it, comics is this your favorite series? It is. Yes. Run? This this is my favorite series. It's a it's a nice condensed twenty five issues, which is nice too. The other ongoing Darth Vader uh, volumes uh, one and three um, are oh, what's volume one? I think volume one might be like fifty issues. Hmm. I couldn't tell you this. It's got to be the same or at least very similar to the Star Wars mainline. 2015 series that was that 75 was like, yeah that was in the oh, around 75 i would have said but yeah i'm sure it's nice to have a tight 25 then so maybe maybe volume one was 75 as well and volume three similar. is still going on right now but it's yeah it's following the star wars mainline so it's going to be somewhere along there as well so yeah it's nice to have a, a tight 25 i think poe dameron uh, another issue another series by charles soul is also um i think it's more than 25 but it's not too many issues um and that's also probably one of my favorites i would put that one up there as well most star wars comics are considered a mini series so they're mm-hmm. like between four and 12 issues um but yeah i think i think 25 is a good length where yeah. you know he was kind of able to like interweave storylines here and there he was able to go back and like recall stuff and i think 25 issues is the right way of doing it because in some of the stories i'm reading now they do go back to like previous storylines but it's like way far back and i'm like i do not remember that mm-hmm. at all <laughs> they bring back a character and i'm like i recognize you but i do not specifically remember you yeah <laughs> i have a hard time that with that too trying to keep up with the comics because they come out once a month and so like even just the last issue that I have to be aware of, I have a hard time. Yeah, I like I've I've actually started to kind of stockpile them and then just uh, kind of binge read them. Smart at yeah, a time. That's that binge mentality, which is nice because I feel like I can kind of like solidify it more easily. Right, I can remember the storyline and it kind of sits better. Unfortunately, um, I sometimes see spoilers like on like my Facebook groups and stuff. That's so too bad. That's kind of a shame. Yeah. But that's I like when. After a comic run is done, they just make a full book out of it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an omnibus. Yep, that is the best. And so, like, and then if you get some more like graphic novel feel, um, there's a um, a a graphic novel, I guess, or a, com- a comic book run that went turned into a graphic novel called Paper Girls, which is fantastic. Also written by a Clevelander, um, and that's great because that's just the full book. Uh, which again, I, I enjoy reading that more because you can tell where those breaks were. Uh, and it's like pretty clear, but then you're able to indulge and read the full thing, mm-hmm. um, which I like a lot. Yeah, they're they're nice to ha- hold in your hand. Yes, too. very nice. Yeah. It, it, the twenty two. Well, you completest. It's satisfying. Yeah. You don't get the physical copy, correct? As well, you get the. You guys both have. Uh, I've I've started getting the individual issues now. Yeah. yeah, because I've I've read Star Wars comics for so long that I'm like, man, I really wish I had these. And yeah. this is actually a good example too. This Darth Vader 
uh, series because a lot of these issues are key issues, and I've mm-hmm. gone back and tried to buy them, and they're just like stupid expensive. What are we talking price point here? What are we talking price point here when they come out slash when you're going back and trying to retroactively buy them? So um, I'm looking it up right now on Key Collector. So they come out, they're $4. Yeah. And right now, Darth Vader issue number two is considered a, uh, a key issue because it's the first cameo appearance of Kyrick Infile. Mm-hmm. And that's $25. So it's okay. like... It's I not wish, unreasonable. I wish, yeah, but like you, a, no, a I could do it if I wanted on investment. To. <laughs> You're talking more than a dollar per page. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, just just for a cameo appearance of a Jedi who's yeah. introduced and dies two issues later. I, at first, I thought you were gonna say it was like a couple hundred bucks or something, like really collectory. But like, I mean, for a twenty-two page comic, yeah. that's there's, a little steep. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's very few issues like that in the current Marvel canon. That's like that. Yeah, but do you ever get the sense that when you're reading a comic that you're gonna be like, this is gonna be a classic one that goes down in history? Either of you guys? Yes, because I think that's something that's really cool about comics is like a lot of times with other collecting things like you know, um, baseball cards, for example, there's like a printing error and that mm-hmm. makes it really valuable. Yeah. And it's like, that's kind of lame though. It's not really, that's not really cooler. It's just different. And then sometimes it's like, oh, Cad Bane is in this comic and Cad Bane is really cool. And that's why this comic is going to be really valuable in the future. Yeah. So yeah, you do kind of get like a, your your finger on the pulse for what that's going to be just because it's, the value is determined by people like us that just think something's neat. And yeah. if enough people think that it's going to be more valuable. This that said, there is a good amount, too, of just, like, pure speculation and Star Wars collecting. Like, no one knew that Kira Dune's figure were going to be worth anything until after <laughs> she was Dune. canned and they immediately pulled all of her figures and people were, like, piling them up. Um, same with, I'm very interested from a speculative standpoint, how the, um, uh, I forget the name of the series now, but it's the comic book tie-in to the um, to the Star Cruiser. Mm-hmm. Oh, Galactic I Star can't Cruiser. imagine it sold very well. The Halcyon, it's, it's, the Halcyon Legacy. The Halcyon Legacy, thank yeah. you. It, its only purpose was to tie in to the Star Cruiser to get people to go on it, right? And now they've confirmed that they're shutting it down. Two so months? I'm, I'm interested to see if, if that's going to jack up the price of that book at all. But I know. Yeah. they. I didn't care for that series because every episode was a one-off with like in like a different era with different characters. I got yeah. one because it was in the High Republic era, and I was collecting High Republic at the time. And I read it, and I was like, that, that seems like that an all, odd series. That all take yeah. place on that... The cruiser? Yeah, the cruiser is the, the key between all the Because issues. ironically enough, the whole point of that was like talking about how timeless this cruiser is and all the different generations that's that have gone funny. on it. Should right. it how long this cruiser will last. Would it yeah. not? I would have I mean that's the perfect setup. Not necessarily for um that story they're trying to tell, I guess, but like I feel like that setting is a perfect setting to have like almost like a murder on the Orient Express when you have a single event with a bunch of different uh perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody on the cr- on that ship. I feel like that's like the perfect time. Yeah, that would have been interesting. All very random people that are on this ship together, this cruiser together. Also, I feel like if they brought the price way down, that'd be so fun to go to before. Can you imagine doing like going to the cruiser in Disney? Going to the Galactic Star. Yeah. Yeah. And like what, like the last couple of runs to be like, because I I really wanted to go, but I mean it's it's dumb expensive, but like it sounds really rad. But mm-hmm. like. It's just like it's so expensive, which is why I think why it's shutting down, right? I mean, like we, I would have definitely gone if it was right. like a thousand dollars less. But I think <laughs> when they when they announced that it was shutting down, I think they gave everyone who had a reservation for after that shutdown yeah. date priority to like reschedule it earlier, didn't they? Oh, I don't know. I yeah, no they did. They, okay, because that's really cool. Um, I don't know. Sometimes Disney fails, I guess, right? But it's an interesting. Um, I would like to talk to some of the Charles Soule specifically, um, in particular, but how 
coming up with these stories work because a lot of them have to be top down, right? I mean, some executive at Disney's like, oh, hey, we have this Star Cruiser. We really like a tie in. Have somebody, you know, come up with something. Yeah. Um, whereas other stories are just like so kind of obscure and off the wall that you're yeah. like, okay, somebody clearly wanted to, to write this story. And yeah. I, I, I was going to bring up something similar because I would love to know how that works behind the scenes. Because yeah. when I got into Star Wars comics, it was. Summer 2020, I think, and it was Great year. maybe maybe 2021. <laughs> uh, no, it was summer 2021. Excuse me, and it was the start of the War of the Bounty Hunters mm-hmm. arc, mm. which is um, after Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, Boba Fett takes him and then takes him to Jabba. But they kind of retconned that, or at least expounded on what we know. And there was like this whole war between who got to collect the bounty on Han Solo, mm-hmm. and it's like, did Charles Soule just come up with that? one day and he's like hey disney i want to write this story but then that also leads into the crimson rain series and it's like oh actually kira from solo is back in it and she's leading crimson dawn and that leads into hidden empire and they have this whole galaxy spanning event like who comes up with this story because charles soul can't just go to the powers that be and be like i have this 60 issue story that i want to tell that completely changes the galaxy but they can't come down and say we want you to tell this story about such a massive interconnected yeah. thing. I think there's a That's bit of fascinating to me. Both is my guess, just because of the fact of I feel like if you're looking at like old school Hollywood, for example, they're like, hey, we're going to do this movie. Who do we have that we can get to tell this story specifically? And as I feel like if, if it is like, oh, let's get Charles Soule to tell this story, it makes the most sense because of X, Y, and Z. And then also maybe he's like, oh, then let's get this artist because this is going to fit my vision or whatever. At the same time, I think you're about to say something too. So I'm, int- I'm sure you know more logistically about it. Um, but, like, I also feel like there's the opposite where it's just like, hey, I kind of want to tell this story. You're in that Star I mean, I don't think you're starting off going to Disney and being like, hey, I want to write this Star Wars comic. I'm sure there's a couple test right trials and stuff, too, to see if you, if you hit it. And then I th- I'm, I'm sure you get a little bit more freedom. But So I feel like it is dependent yeah. <laughs> on in, in each comic run. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's a combination, too, right? It's probably like a yeah. sliding scale. Like, I think for, like, the Galaxy's Edge and um, the Star Cruiser tie-ins, those are probably much more top-down, yes. where they say, like, hey, we need something, just figure it out. Um, whereas, uh, like, uh, in... Uh, the Star Wars Mainline, Volume 2, issue number 25, was written by Charles Soule, and it's a very significant issue because it is the uh, 100th issue of the new Star Wars Mainline, mm-hmm. um, because Volume 1 was 1 through 75, and it also happened to be the 100th issue um, that Charles Soule wrote for, Whoa, that's insane. for Star Wars. And so they kind of let him do his own thing for that one, and yeah. it was, uh, it was f- I think, four mini-stories all in one. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to see stuff like that, because clearly that's like, okay, Charles, like we'll give you free reign to basically tell whatever you want. Obviously, they were all very brief, but I will make a plug for it, because there is one storyline called A Funeral for Snap Wexley, and oh. it really touches your heartstrings, because he is a major character in the comics and books, and kind of dies very undramatically. Uh, well, it's kind of dramatic. I don't know. I like to point I know out what that you, you mean. You, not dramatically enough for how yeah, significant they, they didn't he was give him, in books and comics. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't pick Snap as your pilot in the draft. No. For all eight of you who have listened. <laughs> you gave me a Jedi. How was I? <laughs> Plo Koon. But anyway, so that is, uh, that's my review of Darth Vader Volume 2, Dark Lord of the Sith. I highly encourage you to check it out, um, even if... Uh, even if I've already spoiled everything, um, it is still very much worth it, like I said. Um, does anyone have a force for thought? Uh, yeah, I do. I just wanted to bring attention to the fact that we are currently celebrating a rebellion against an empire in the 
47th anniversary of America. <laughs> Happy Independence Day, everybody. <laughs> I hope you all get the enjoy the holiday and grill some burgers and enjoy our freedom. Amen, brother. All right. Well, if you, if you guys like what you hear, make sure you uh, subscribe, follow us. You can uh, look for us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. We're uh, doing some short videos that we think are pretty funny. Check it out um, at Force for Thought all across everything. Yeah. Do you want to do your sign off? Your until Warner Brothers no. gives us a cease and desist. No, I, okay. I did not want to do it the first time. You so, edited it. So to we're make gonna. It do that. So just saying, we're gonna we're gonna just use that same one. For all of them. So you just like, you're one of those voice actors who got paid once, and then we're just going to reuse it. You don't want to do a, no, a clean one? I'm, right. not, I'm not even going to get the royalties for it. As our editor, you have an absurd amount of power over us. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh. No, I make you guys like, we all come across okay. We, we, I, yeah, we come across well. Yeah, but I think that's so. not really thanks to you. I, I put <laughs> I mean, in a I good agree. amount of work, and I yeah. feel like you just try to tear me down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if, if anyone thinks Max and Luke are coming off good in these episodes, you guys should just hear us live before the edits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'm anybody's favorite who <laughs> listens. That's oh. not true. I think I think our dad has made it very clear that you're our Wait, favorite. for real? Maybe he's a person, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me feel that's happy. All right. Well, thank you, Sammy. I'll see you later. Giddy, 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 folks. Giddy, 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 folks.